Hey, everybody. Welcome back to another episode of Project Tahiti. It's a magical place. I'm one of your hosts, Jess, and I am joined by your other host, Jared. What is up? Not much. Just been watching S.H.I.E.L.D. and talking S.H.I.E.L.D. Imagine that. (laughs) Um, Some announcements. Uh, We are part of the But Why Though podcast community, so be sure to follow them on Twitter at But Why Though PC and go on the website uh, butwhythopodcast.com to check out all the nerd content. Uh, lots of good writing pieces on there, other podcasts uh, with a plethora of interests, so not just Marvel related. But yeah, definitely go check them out. Um, so if... So I'm trying to remember what else I need to say. Um, so uh, if you are not caught up through the end of season five of Agents of S.H.I.E.L.D., it is available on Netflix if you would like to do that and go watch. So you can listen to our spoiler section uh, where we talk about everything through the end of season five, but also the general MCU through all the movies that have come out um, in theaters. And uh, we do talk about some comics tie-ins because Jared um, has a wealth of information <laughs> on that. And um, you definitely don't want to miss it. Use- useless for the most part. <laughs> <laughs> it's not useless in this context. <laughs> Very useful in this context. But yeah, so if you don't want to miss out on that stuff, some cool backstories and com- uh, character comics origins, um, be sure to make sure you're caught up so that you can listen to that stuff. But we'll give you plenty of warning if you're not. We have a good one this episode. We do. So um, speaking of this episode, let's get to it. (laughs) Um, So this is season one, episode 12, titled Seeds, uh, written by Monica Owusu-Brain, which she also wrote The Well, which if you don't remember, that was the episode where we find out about Ward's childhood um, and his trauma. (laughs) <laughs> all the trauma uh and also jed whedon co-wrote this as well uh directed by kenneth fink uh and it originally aired january 14th 2014 so the scene opens at this pool and it's dark it's obviously like a school pool oh my god sorry <laughs> and getting off to a good start um these college age kids are at the pool and they're getting ready to go swimming in their undies um and we see that there's like another loner kid that's sitting nearby probably studying and he's just watching everyone and uh the kids are in the pool except for this one girl and she notices that the pool is icing up and so the kids are like trying to swim and get out and the one boy that's with them has his legs stuck in the ice He's freaking out. And so the loner kid comes and he breaks the ice with like the pool. Um, uh, what do you call that thing? Skimmer. Skimmer. Yeah. And he frees him and they're all shook up. And the kid puts a sweatshirt on the kid that was stuck in the pool. And it is a Shield Academy sweatshirt. So we are at the Shield Academy. Very cool. Uh, so on the bus... Colson is in his office looking at photos of him dead, which I think are supposed to be representative of his file, which <laughs> if he just was looking at a piece of paper with a bunch of words on it, we probably wouldn't have the same impact on us as viewers. So <laughs> that's why he's looking at pictures of himself as dead. Uh, but it's very sad because he's clearly very shaken by this knowledge. This- well, and it just makes it more messed up even. Like if he's just reviewing the information, it's still pretty messed up. But if he's just staring at photos, yeah. like, I know it's shorthand for us as the viewer, but it's still just like, God, man, that's morbid. <laughs> yeah. It's so messed up. But 
he's dealing with a lot. So, like, can you imagine if you died and someone t- had pictures of your body and a whole plethora of information around that, and then you were your boss had all these pictures of your body. Yeah, and then you were alive after having died, and now sure. you were able to look at yourself as dead. That is fucking crazy. After the reveal of the previous episode, <laughs> for sure, it's literally your boss is like, no, you're too valuable to the organi- organization. We like you too much. Like, you're my favorite, so I'm yeah. bringing you back. Like, it's like, it's nice. Like, man, Nick Fury really loves him. Remind me to never be Nick Fury's favorite. <laughs> <laughs> no, and like that's pretty fair too. That's that's true in the comics. He's pretty uh, uh, ruthless. Ooh, it is. It just gives you a whole different. Like, I mean, I have already watched this show all the way through the end of season five, and I didn't really sit down and think about Nick Fury's um, influence in this. But it's it's a mind fuck when you really sit down and think about it. Ugh. So. Anyway, <laughs> Coulson's looking at himself as dead. Um, we, as one does. <laughs> as one does. And um, we discover that Simmons uh, helped create the device um, that froze the pool at the Academy. So they have to go investigate. And they also, uh, her and Fitz, because apparently they are famous at the Academy, they have to go give the students a pep talk. The talk, as they say. Um And we also discover that there are three branches of the S.H.I.E.L.D. Academy. There's operations, which Ward went through, um, and we're assuming May. Uh, Communications, uh, the easiest to get into, and apparently that's where Skye would have gone, much to her (laughs) uh, humiliation. I don't know what to call that. Um, The kids like to give her a hard time about not being as smart as them, even though they're ridiculously smart, so it's not even fair. Um, And she's not not smart. No, she's not at all. She's pretty brilliant. As far as brilliance goes, it's just that Fitzsimmons are ridiculous. Um, and also there's SciTech, sci Science and Technology, which is the most difficult to get into. You need at least one PhD to be even considered. And obviously that's where Fitz and Simmons came out of. Um, so the kids and Ward are going to head to the Academy to figure out this mystery. And Coulson and May are not joining them. They're going elsewhere. So... They get to the Academy and we hear SSR mentioned. So uh, we know that S.H.I.E.L.D. was founded from SSR, which is the Strategic Scientific Reserve that was founded by Agent Carter and Howard Stark. So there's a cool Agent Carter and and Captain America reference because it was SSR back then, right? When Captain America. Yeah, it was. Um, So Sky knows about it. And then in the Agents of Carter miniseries, I believe, is when they make that that first change which is cool yes yeah which i'm so bummed that that show got canceled they better bring that back because it'd be so perfect for a disney streaming service it would. like just, just gotta say it would and Haley atwell is totally down so get on that disney <laughs> so disney and marvel i think you know that, that you can do this yeah like if that rumor is true about the loki and scarlet witch shows which i hope <gasps> i hope oh those are true yeah. but if that is true then like Come on. Mm-hmm. <laughs> Give us a break. Agent Carter is a fan favorite. Like every, I don't know anyone out there that doesn't love her. Um, and if they don't, hello, why not? Um, my last aside uh, before we get to the actual asides section, <laughs> uh, her, uh, her, she's an offshoot character. I don't know if you're familiar with her, uh, Jess, but I will post maybe something from the account. But there's an Elseworlds sort of esque, although that's the concept is. DC proprietary, like mm-hmm. it's copyrighted. But the, uh, the, in there's an alternate world series 
where they go through a bunch of different dimensions. It's a group that, that kind of hops from different dimension to different reality and whatnot, where what if everybody's Nazis and well, you know, what if everybody's mm-hmm. gender swapped and everything you can imagine in between, or just what if this event happened differently? And uh, in it, there's a version of uh, Sharon Carter uh, or not Sharon Carter, uh, Peggy Carter, who became Captain America. Oh yeah, I know about that. Yeah, yeah, and she's uh, was originally a guest star in it in, it, uh, in the new uh, iteration of Exiles, but at this point, she and Bucky have joined, and her version of Bucky is now in a relationship with Valkyrie from, and it's the version of Valkyrie from the Thor uh, Ragnarok from the movies, they're based directly on her. And so she's got a girlfriend now, and it's a lady Bucky. <laughs> I like this. I like all of this. <laughs> it is awesome. And uh, I also and like yeah. her costume um, as Captain America. It's badass. It's, it's like his original Avengers costume, yeah. but it's over her like military uniform. Yeah, like she's got like a tie on and like a and like a button up shirt, and like she just looks great. She like, does. She, yeah, she looks, she looks awesome. So, so everyone who likes uh, Agent Carter should definitely check out Exiles right now from Marvel Comics if you like comics because it's amazing. If you don't like comics, you've never tried them, you should just try them. <laughs> They're awesome. They are awesome. I don't try them very often, but when I do, I'm always pleased most of the time. Um, so uh, we meet Agent Weaver, who is played by Christine Adams, and she uh, is also in Black Lightning, so a, a different comics universe but it's, it's funny we're, we're we're seeing lots of actors that stay in the comic book realm that's another that seems to be another thing <laughs> yeah pe- people who end up doing repeat re- yeah. the repeat comic book thing is definitely something we're noticing yep yep um so she is basically the head of the academy and she tells the team that they may they might have a bad seed so essentially one of the students um, is using their brain power and their access to technology for not good things. Um, they find out that the tech uh, that was used in this device was very expensive and very advanced. So it has to be a student that's in the top 10%. So they have a list of suspects. Um, <laughs> so Fitzsimmons go off to be popular and meet, you know, talk to all the students that adore them. And, and um, Ward uh, takes Sky to see the Wall of Valor. And it's all of the fallen S.H.I.E.L.D. agents since S.H.I.E.L.D. was uh, started. And Bucky Barnes is on that wall, which is very sweet. Although this is pre-Winter Soldier, so we know that he's not actually dead. (laughs) Also also true. Oh, and she was in Batman Begins. Oh, that's right. I forgot about that. Uh, That was Christine Adams was, not Sky. (laughs) Or Bucky. (laughs) Or Fitzsimmons. (laughs) Also true. Sorry. Uh, but, <laughs> that's, but that's, that's, that's a three. It does not bring them up to our list of four, which is so far our. our that's the top. Yeah. Top, top, that's uh, hollowed ground. All right. We'll <laughs> see if anyone can beat that. <laughs> our Brandon Roots and our Jackie Earl Haley's. That's, yeah. That's By a- the way, I watched Watchmen last weekend and He's i was the best part right like <laughs> so good i'd forgotten how good he is i have very I, I don't enjoy Watchmen as much as many people i don't love Zack snyder in general and i feel like he misses so much of what makes the comic what it is but mm-hmm. jackie earl haley is worth it alone for like mm-hmm. not just a watch but several rewatches for me because he is so good and it's just pitch perfect like i cannot imagine it better i know that someone else could do it as well i'm sure but like i cannot imagine it better version of that comic book character brought to life like he yeah. brings Rorschach to life he's so good 
He does. Um, Billy really loves Rorschach. Billy, boyfriend of the pod. Um, (laughs) He, you know, the, the one scene where he's like in jail and he's like, I'm not locked in here with you. You're all locked in here with me. He yeah. just like started cheering when like, that line came up because it's so good. And, the, and like, it's so weird. Like I complain about it. Like, like I feel like he missed the point of Watchmen because like there's moments yeah. like that and several moments, but the way it's staged and the way the dialogue is written is like exactly as it is in the comic. Like mm-hmm. he loves the comic clearly, but I feel like he just doesn't get it because like he also... I don't know. The best way to describe it, if you know anything at all about it, is uh, Scott Snyder is a believer of the philosophies of Ayn Rand. So is the mm. bad guy in Watchmen. That makes that yeah. <laughs> so is the bad guy. Like, how, how can you possibly believe in that stuff and then read that book and and be like, yeah, I love this book and I believe what the bad guy believes, who's objectively evil and wrong. Yeah. <laughs> like, 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 like it's just it, it's, he's not he's gonna miss the subtleties. It's not that it's gonna be bad because there's great parts of it. It's just that mm-hmm. why is what's his face Patrick? What's his face like so buff? If if he's supposed <laughs> to be that guy, if he's supposed to be the schlubby tech-based right. gadget dude who's electrocuting you with his taser gloves because he's got a you know a spare tire and love handles. Well, I like how once he puts his suit on, his gut disappears. He has like a corset in his suit. <laughs> it's like <laughs> it's like no, and that's even from the comic that he would try to hide it. You know, yeah. at the same time, like in the movie, he's like out there breaking people's necks in the alley oh, yeah. and whatnot. It's like, that does not happen in the comic. Like, that's <laughs> a little excessive, buddy. Like, and yeah, that's my anti-Zack Snyder rant. I'm not, I'm not anti-DC. I'm just anti-Zack Snyder. <laughs> that's fair. That is fair. So, so Sky is talking to Ward when they're at the Wall of Valor, how she feels like she cheated to get into S.H.I.E.L.D. And um, Ward is, this is this episode is very unusual because Ward is very sweet to everyone. He even like talks to, um, he like compliments Fitz and Simmons too. And he's like, compl- he's like, no, you earned your spot. And like, Coulson knows that. And it's just like, this is very unusual. It's like, what's going on, man? Why are you, why are you so, why are you so being so nice? Um, back on the bus. <laughs> it's not usual for him at this point at all. No, it's it's not. It's yeah. Um and there's actually a comment about it like later in the episode where Sky and Simmons are like, "Oh, which is pretty funny." So it does get acknowledged that he's being weird. Um <laughs> so back on the bus, Colson is obsessing about his files and May comes in to give him a pep talk and she's like, "You know, like you got to stop looking at that, dude. Like it's not helping you." And she's like, "Now that you know, do you feel better?" And you know, in true May fashion brings complete logic to the forefront. And he's like, eh, I guess not. Um, but she does, she does give Coulson another purpose. So she mentions that she found the partner of the agent that grabbed sky in China. Um, so the, if you don't remember the agent that grabbed sky in China is dead. Um, so it was her partner. That's the, that's the one that um, sky thought was her mom possibly. Cause she was the one that dropped her off at shield. Um, so they're going to go to Mexico and find this guy. Uh, back at the academy, um, Fitz and Simmons are going to give a speech, and we learn that Fitz's first name is Leopold. I, I mean, we already knew that, but I think this is the, the officially the first time we hear that. So Leopold Fitz and Gemma Simmons, um, which Leopold, I don't, I don't like that his name is Leopold. He's Fitz. <laughs> I don't know why. I don't know why that name doesn't fit to me uh, for some reason. But um, I, I think so. They people give, call him, called him Leo before they became 
uh, he became fit. <laughs> they shared an identity. <laughs> right? Fitzsimmons. So dumb. It's so it's, cheesy. Uh, I'm glad they eventually become separate. Um, and I actually, it's it's funny because in the notes, I always put Fitzsimmons just because it's a space saver versus Fitz and Simmons. <laughs> But it even I annoy myself by putting that in the notes for the show. So well, I feel like they are becoming less and less like that. You like know? A, yeah, good. And which is good. Yeah, yeah. So they give their speech, um, and they're talking about the dangers of you know taking science too far. You need to have a, a moral compass. Um, in the meantime, Ward is interviewing um, the male student that had his leg frozen in the pool, and he kind of gives him the list of like the top ten percent. And he's like, "Is there anyone on this list that uh, you are not friends with?" And he's like. Well, uh, there is a kid on this list that's kind of a loner. His name is Donnie Gill. And Donnie Gill is played by Dylan Minnette. And he's the guy that was at the pool, but like separate from everyone. And he is the kid who's the lead on uh, 13 Reasons Why. Mm. And uh, he's not done any superhero thing except for, uh, I think like one of his debut roles was in Fred Claus, which I do consider Santa Claus a superhero. (laughs) Uh, But he's in, he's in awake with uh, Jason Isaac, which is a really good show. I think it might, I don't know if it's free streaming anywhere, but I recommend everyone watch it. Uh, It's one season, but it's really, really good and super interesting high concept series. Uh, And he was one of the leads in that. And he was also, I remember him in uh He's been in a bunch of stuff, but he was in uh, Lost in the last season. He was Jack's son. Oh. Uh, so the kid's a good, kid's a good actor. He's got, he gets around. He only has one, or he has a technically two comic book acting gigs under his belt. He's working his way up to four. <laughs> Still young. Santa Claus is an important uh, character in both DC and Marvel mythologies as well. <laughs> this is true. So. So Donnie is actually sitting in the auditorium listening to Fitz and Simmons give their speech and he starts becoming frozen during the speech and he like jumps up and he starts screaming. So uh, Sky, um, somehow Ward is in the room again, but <laughs> whatever. Um, so Sky and Ward and Fitz and Simmons jump to action and they save Donnie and their valor is met with applause from from the students. And then we get this random scene with Ian Quinn cut in between this. Bringing him back. Hmm why and it was totally like we didn't learn anything about anything in this scene other than he's like on the phone and in his car so it was just like totally random that he's like here huh i wonder if there's a significance there it's important we know ian quinn has cars right and and talks on the phone and gets out of his car and walks around It's, it's very important um so um so back at the academy um, Weaver is talking to the team, Colson's team, about Donnie. Um, he's very young. He's only 18. He's brilliant. He doesn't have any friends. And he, um, they were going to give him the option to accelerate to his graduation so he could go work at the Sandbox, which is like very prestigious as a postgrad. Um, or he was going to get washed out because he just can't get along with others. Um, so he possibly seems to be the intended target since he was at the pool and now he was uh, attacked in the auditorium. Um, so, you know, Ward tells Weaver to go and you know question all the students and do their investigation but he uh suggests that the team do their own investigation because um the official investigation won't bear fruit um shield agents are trained to keep secrets so he knows that none of the kids are going to give any information up they have to go go their own way and so this is where they start discussing um you know sky looks really young she can blend it as a student and sky's like well fitz looks even younger than me he's the youngest he looks the youngest one here and fitz gets all grumpy (laughs) he's like you you're gonna be jealous you're gonna be jealous you're gonna be jealous wrinkly old hags (laughs) like when they're older (laughs) 
And it's just, it's a very silly moment. But like you said, it's like, I think uh, last episode, there's these weird, Fitz has some weird comedic moments in some of these episodes. He does. <laughs> like, like they, they very much, there's times he reminds me of, uh, of Xander in the first seasons of Buffy. Yeah. Especially, especially this, this first season. Right. Oh, and this is the other instance where Ward was like being nice. Like he says something about Fitz. I can't even remember now. I didn't write it down. Um, but when Fitz leaves to go, he, he Fitz is going to go hang out with Donnie and kind of like, you know, make sure he's doing okay and everything. And when he leaves, the girls are like, oh, you're so nice. <laughs> and he's it's that's where it's acknowledged that he's being nicer than usual. So Simmons takes Ward and Sky to the boiler room, which is a place in SciTech that the students go to blow off steam. And it's badass. Like it looks like a club on the inside with like pool tables and a bar. And apparently Ops doesn't have such a room. So Ward's a little it's a little eye opening for him. And then Fitz, as we know, heads heads to go uh, talk to Donnie in his dorm room. Uh, Meanwhile, in Mexico, May and Coulson are chilling in an alley parked in Lola doing a stakeout. They're waiting for this agent to walk out of or walk into a building. And May is trying to trying to get Coulson to talk. And Coulson's like, you're talking more than ever. Like, what's your deal? <laughs> like, what are you doing? And they start talking about trauma, his trauma. And poor Coulson, he's just like, we talked about this last episode, but he mentions how he can't trust his memories and like it's it sucks to feel like you can't trust your own brain and like your own like sense of reality so he is just he's been shook (laughs) like this this discovery of what happened to him um post death is really affecting him as it should um and he's kind of going an extreme route he's like we need to root out all the secrets so sky's background is clearly one of those secrets that's why they're there to root it out and may has this look on her face and then she says agent ward and i have been having sex and there's no time to react because the target is on the move and colson jumps out of the car and runs away and she just kind of is like what (laughs) like did you hear me (laughs) it's kind of a funny moment um so a chase ensues may chases the agent she he he recognizes that he's being followed so she has to chase him down an alley and he um, is hiding uh, above somewhere, like on a, a fire escape or something. And they they fight. And then he jumps up the fire escape because he sees Coulson drive up. And Lola, uh, lo and behold, he did not know that Lola can fly. So he is caught because <laughs> Lola flies up to his level. <laughs> um, so they get him on the bus. And I think the agent finally realizes that he's not they're not there to to off him. So he tells May and Coulson about the circumstances around um, around Sky. Uh, he says what they found at this village in the Hunan province in China, that another shield team was sent in and everyone died except for this one agent. And he died holding this baby in his arms. And and the baby was the 084. So Sky was the 084. <laughs> and um uh, this agent, which I forget his name now, and I didn't write it down. My bad. Avery. No, Avery was his partner. Oh, the other one. So yeah. yeah. So a- agent Avery and this guy brought the baby back, and um, 
all the other agents that were surrounding this situation started being killed. And so they realized that to protect themselves and the child, they had to put her into the foster systems. And so they gave instructions to move her every few months from a different home so that no one could find her. And Agent Avery is the one who... um, who, who put her in the system and she ended up being killed shortly after. So, so this agent was able to kind of go off the grid and hide and Avery died protecting Skye. And this agent tells them, you know, I don't want to know anything about the girl. Wherever she goes, death follows. Ooh. <laughs> Very ominous. Back at the Academy, uh, Fitz and Donnie are nerding out and Fitz helps Donnie with one of his designs. Um, with a very simple answer, which is always the case, right? Um, oh, just, you know, just do this one thing. Just flip this switch and it's totally going to work now. <laughs> just needed a fresh pair of eyes. I know your idea, but I mean you. Yeah. <laughs> just need to take one look at the schematics and I, I got it. Um, so War, Ward and the girls are still in the boiler room and Ward is questioning one of the suspects. He's playing pool with her. She was the girl that didn't get into the pool with everyone. And um, apparently he discovers that everything was staged, uh, so, well, she doesn't tell him this, but what she tells him, he deduces that everything was staged so that Fitz would show up at the academy. They really wanted uh, the two boys. So Donnie and um, Seth, the other boy that was that was trapped in the pool, wanted to meet Agent Fitz really bad for weeks before this happened. So very interesting. Uh, the S.H.I.E.L.D. team uh, talks this through and Fitz is on the phone with them and he realizes that, you know, Donnie was in league with Seth. And so he runs back to his room and Donnie has a secret lab (laughs) in his room and he's working on this device that Fitz just helped him finish building and Seth is in the room and Seth knocks out Fitz so they are indeed working together and Simmons realizes they probably have a backer because the equipment in this device was expensive and not something that a student could afford so they do some digging and apparently it's Ian Quinn imagine that (laughs) now that odd scene with Ian Quinn in his car on the phone makes more sense (laughs) you're like oh right yeah. So we remember who he was when this came. Right, right, right. <laughs> well, and they find out that Seth's dad is like a lawyer at Quinn's company or something like that. So whatever. Of course. Of course. Um, Nepotism. I know. At it again. <laughs> um, so Fitz is stunned in Donnie's room and Donnie and Seth uh, take this device uh, to this parking lot somewhere and they finish it and they get on the phone with Quinn and they're trying to sell it to him. But uh, the whole situation is hot. S.H.I.E.L.D. knows about it and Quinn doesn't want to touch it with a 10-foot pole. But he still convinces them to turn it on. <laughs> so Donnie's really unsure. He's like, no, I don't know if I should do this. Like, we don't even we haven't tested this yet. Seth convinces him because he's like, we have to sell this. Like we we made a deal, blah, blah, blah. And then they turn the machine on and it forms a storm. And uh, Seth gets hurt. He gets knocked out. And Donnie's freaking out. He doesn't know what to do. And back on the bus, Colson and May have met up with the team and they're going to go uh, figure out how to save Donnie and, and Seth and fix this whole thing. But Skye knows that Colson is hiding something. And to our surprise, I really didn't think this was going to happen because May told Colson not to tell Skye. Colson spills the beans. And so he tells her everything around um, what happened when she was discovered uh, in the Hunan province. And Skye is... Because he's her dad. Yeah. I mean, that 
you know, a slight spoiler, not her, not really. Yeah, her yeah, dad. yeah. Although, although at the time, uh, fans were like, "Ooh, I wonder if 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 he's uh, her dad." I know she's clearly mixed <laughs> well, race. It's possible. Well, and people were thinking it might be his. She might be his and May's kid. Oh, like, yeah. I think I might have said that before, but I, rem- I remember that fan fiction or like fan theorizing mm-hmm. coming up at the time, and people being like, "Oh, it'd be perfect." I know because there were already mom and dad. Technically, you know, <laughs> on the on the plane, it'd be a little too cheesy. It'd be a little too cheesy. Yeah, it's like <laughs> even for this show, uh, the parentage mysteries. God, but um, yeah, uh, and I think this goes hand in hand with Coulson talking about how he wants to root out all the secrets, so he doesn't want to keep secrets from his team anymore. It seems like after his violation, yeah. it's like, well, I get it, man. I wouldn't, you know, especially something like this where it's like her her origin. She deserves to know. Absolutely, everyone has a right to know where they come from. If it, like whether if it's something they want to know, whether that's know? pre-death or post-death. <laughs> so yeah, I think if, if they're in her situation, you know, where like you don't know where you come from and you don't want to know, yeah. that's your right. like 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 that's that's up to her. Yeah. And she she wanted to know, so he told her. Yeah, and I, I that's awesome. And she was super emotional about it. Like it was hard for her to listen to, and so we don't we don't actually hear Coulson telling her everything. We get kind of like a it kind of a fade out, and music starts playing over it, and we just see Sky's facial expression. But yeah, it's it's a rough story to hear, especially when you know you're born of death. It's nuts. Oh yeah, hearing that—that's got to be the part that or the the part that's the hardest to take. Yeah. It's like uh, you were basically called the death baby by the only person who uh, you know took Gary. Yeah. Um, <laughs> like so, that's cool, right? <laughs> no, no problem. Um, so meanwhile, back at the academy, um, no one can get to the boys. Like there, the storm is nuts. Like Ward is actually like, oh, I'll go, and then he opens the door. He's like, I can't get there. <laughs> Just like in this quick moment, because the wind is crazy. But Fitz knows that Donnie's a good kid, so he knows that they have to get to them. So badass Agent May, the pilot, flies the bus into the eye of the storm and floats down through the eye of the storm. And this this uh, visual image is so stunning of just like the plane flying over the over the clouds and like down into the eye. It was like it's another cool bus scene of some of the badass shit that the bus can do. They get. Anyway, the plane flies down, they get to the ground, um, they grab Seth, take him in, and they try, they hook him up to an AED, which I was so happy that they used an AED properly in a TV show. I was very happy that, you know, they when they said clear, everyone actually moved away from the body <laughs> and no one's touching him, no one's doing weird shit. They just, you know, and they checked for a pulse every time. But yeah, they couldn't save Seth. And Donnie is devastated because that was his only friend at the Academy. Um, and his only friend made him do some shady shit, which sucks. But it happens. So on the bus, uh, May asks Coulson uh, if she heard what he if if he heard what she said um, when they were in Lola about her and Ward in Mexico. <laughs> and he's like, I, I heard you and I know you'll handle it if it gets out of hand. And she's like, oh, absolutely. Like, I'll end it if if it comes to that. Hmm, interesting. <laughs> um, and then they talk about Sky, and she's like, "You told her, even though I told you not to." And he's like, "Well, she deserved to know." And they start talking about how resilient she is, and how instead of letting it shatter her world, she saw this as the beginning of her story, and that Shield was protecting her the whole time, and she wasn't actually unwanted. And Coulson's voiceover uh, telling all of this to us as an audience and to May. Uh, 
is happening while Skye is walking over to the Wall of Valor and she sees Agent Avery's name on the wall and she kind of has a moment of silence to honor her um, as an agent that tried to protect her when she was a baby. So, no, and even, very... even just hearing you talking about it again, and I just watched this like that two hours ago uh, and like I'm getting misty. Yeah, it's super emotional. Like, I mean, Sky totally could have just been like, well, fuck, like now I'm back at square one. I have nothing like like even Colson said, like, this is a dead end. Like there's no other information about her childhood, at least no one that's alive. The, the one person that is still alive that was surrounding that situation, like that's that's they have everything that he knows. And that's kind of it. But for her to turn it around and make it about like. I wasn't unwanted like shield is my family and now she's back at shield. Like it's, um, it's so meaningful and it's going to have so much meaning like in the continuing seasons. And so, ugh. well, and it explains the, the stuff that they knew already, you know, even though they knew it, uh, you know, Colson and may, it explains the way they've treated her from the beginning where it might not have made sense on the surface, if you looked at it too much, you know, in yeah. the early episodes, you're like, why, why is he taking care of this, this person this way? Why is he already attached to her? And it's because he knew that she was shield's responsibility. Like she's in there yeah. in hand doing the stuff she's doing, talented and intelligent and, and all these things and passionate. That's so true. I didn't even think about that. And it was, yeah. it was it, everything that she was, was their responsibility. The whole reason she came from, she had no family or history was because they wanted to keep her safe from various forces. Yeah. But at the same time, like you said, they kept her f- bouncing from foster home to foster home. It's like for her, now she knows that that's why it's like, it was to keep her safe. So it, it, that puts a different lens on it. But the, the consequence was still always there where it's like everything she is, is because of with how they set her up. So I think it is him taking responsibility. And it's why I think maybe why Melinda was so gung ho about being part of a team or so willing to, and then taking active part, not just being the pilot, you know, from the beginning, all, all these things that have, it have happened the way it has kind of adds up. Yeah. And I think also, um, I mean, May has been pretty harsh towards Sky in previous episodes about her obsession with wanting to know what happened to her family. But May is the one in this episode who took initiative to track down information and go find out what happened. And I think that has a lot to do with Sky's like, and I think she even says like Sky stepped up in a big way. Like we owe this to her. And I think now that they know like what actually happened, I don't know. We see Sky doesn't just become she's not. I mean, she never really was just the consultant like she is actually a part of this team and actually a part of this little found family that and, they have. Colson seems like he's made an effort from the beginning to make sure that it was not just a consultant. And then early on, like that he was she was definitely part of the team. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. And I think like Fitz and Simmons feel that way. But Ward and maybe Ward, I feel like May is probably the last person to finally accept her as part of the team. I think so, too. And, and you're right that she wants to get the information, but she's always trying. I think part of it is the lack of... You, uh, I, you're, what you're saying is true is she's taken a long time to think of her as part of a team but i think she is trying to protect her you know from that harsh information oh yeah so it's like it's interesting that i can't help but wonder if that's part of why she's so hard on her you know oh i'm sure on not not wanting her to pursue her past it's just like what she did know wasn't yeah wasn't pretty well and also maybe setting her up to be to like for disappointment, like, cause like letting her know, like maybe that you're not going to necessarily find out, you know, what you, flowers and nice. Well, <laughs> yeah. It's- and on top of all of that, something that I 
can only really talk about in the spoiler section. Yeah, yeah. And we'll so we'll we'll finish this up because there's only two other scenes left um in this in this episode. So basically, um Donnie gets taken away and he's driving away in the shield van and he starts icing the window with his finger. So we know that Donnie is powered. And oh he, shit. It, the way it looks is like he's just like offhandedly touching the cool glass and then looks over and sees that there's this like frost forming around it and he's mm-hmm. he's like surprised and smiles almost like is it not evilly but like wryly or wickedly like it's like hey that's, yeah that's kind of cool and and when he's walking up to the van Fitz is trying to comfort him and just be like I'm sorry man and Donnie is like wanting none of it he's like angry at himself and so he's almost going down this like self-destructive path and then he finds out he has these powers and it's like oh god now what Where's this going to go? Not a great combination. Not at all. So the end scene is Ian Quinn in his plane in another vehicle answering the phone again. (laughs) And it's Coulson. Walk in a circle around the the (laughs) plane at least. (laughs) And he has a drink in his hand. Um, So Coulson is actually the one that's calling Quinn. And it's it's like a courtesy call. Coulson's like, if if you fly over any shield-friendly airspace, we'll shoot you out of the sky. Because essentially, like, he is responsible for this kid's death, and it's it sucks. Um, and he doesn't care. He doesn't have any remorse. And so Quinn's last line is, like, uh, essentially that he knows the clairvoyant. He says the clairvoyant says, hi, Coulson, which, holy shit. So we finally have that connection. So Quinn is connected to the clairvoyant and centipede, um, which is connected to the eye implants, which is connected to Raina. And Mike Peterson. So the mystery is continually being unraveled here. But Quinn was like the other piece of it that we didn't know about yet until now, which crazy. There's always a millionaire or billionaire backer, right? Always an evil, (laughs) evil billionaire. This was actually like a fun episode. It was. Even though it didn't, I, there was a lot of significance in it, like as far as like moving the plot along. Um, but it, it seems like it could have been really light because it's just like, oh, we're hanging out at the Academy. And I think the other thing, too, is kind of fun to see like the characters who are typically the typical nerds to be seen as like cool and popular and able to have fun. They're not just all in the books all the time. Like they had that boiler room that was uh, full of amazing things like a bar and pool tables and and music and and flashy lights because that always indicates fun. <laughs> <laughs> and, and youth. But, but and youth. It yeah. does feel like a very... Like it does feel like it has that fingerprints of the Joss Whedon shows too, where there's like these nerdy underdogs who are cool. Yeah. Whereas like all these all these nerds who hang out in the library were the heroes in Buffy the Vampire Slayer. Yeah, and, it's and so in, true. And this, you know, it's uh, the super nerds are the coolest and the the hard the most prestigious Shield Academy. And it's like mm-hmm. it's kind of funny to think of like kids like Ward and May who are like these super sexy spies who are having an affair, and whatnot. Like, like these guys, are, when they were in high school or whatever, were like, "Man, I wish I could have got into the hard one. I get into whatever." I know, like, so we could have our own boiler room, but awesome. But yeah. like, but making like robots that will like make the drugs <laughs> or, whatever, yeah. or whatever they're doing. Like I just imagine it's like a like the the movie Real Genius with uh, mm-hmm. Val Kilmer, which was one of my favorites as a kid. Everyone should see that movie because that's about a crazy super genius uh, like school for gifting kids and like that that's what i imagine the fits and simmons were like yeah 
using their their talents for for shenanigans. Not yeah, shenanigans. I was gonna say naughty purposes, but that's a, that's a better way to put it. <laughs> I feel like naughty implies a connotation that neither <laughs> exactly. that they're, they're both too uptight to do. Cool, I agree. Cooler nerd kid, cooler cool nerd kids wouldn't do yeah. naughty stuff. That's indeed. Yeah, yeah, they grow up. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> So I think we should get into our spoiler section because there's everything else that we want to talk about has spoilery implications. So there's one thing uh, that you had written down that I had that uh, was May's stuff with the Calvary feels very much like it could inform uh, Mm. the way she feels about the experience because there's there's a similar wasn't it her protecting an inhuman child and a bunch of people died. Yes. And so it's like the same story. Is what happened yeah. to this guy. So that's why she's so protective over this. It's her own guilt. I didn't even think about that. Like I really think that comes. Oh up. my god! Well, I think I think that that's a that plays a huge part into it. Which also segues the inhuman stuff segues into the next uh, part. It's so weird to me that they don't make this guy explicitly an inhuman at any point because Don, Donnie Gill is a character who right around this time. Let me see. I'm not sure when he exactly became an inhuman because it's comic books. So he was a hero for a long time. Or not, well, he was a hero for a little while. He was a character for a long time before he became an Inhuman. Let me see. In Infinity Heist number one, which came out. Uh, <laughs> oh, yeah, before this, in November of 2013 was when it was published. So it's, uh, oh, uh, its release date was September 25th. So the, they had to have had all this plotted out already uh, at Marvel. This was if they would have coordinated it was like this hand in hand. a little better, yeah. it would have made more sense yeah. to me. Because Donnie Gill is a character who uh, is a villain, an Iron Man villain, called the Blizzard. And uh, his character kind of starts with another character named uh, Gregor Shapanka, I believe was maybe German? I don't know. Uh, no, a Hungarian. He's a Hungarian man uh, who was first called Jack Frost and then the Blizzard, who invented uh, a Blizzard suit. They gave him I, I simulated ice man's powers, basically gave him the ability to control the temperature and create ice. And he was an Iron Man villain who was like a criminal for hire. And he ended up losing his suit and he was a self-funded inventor. So after his first uh, battle, he was kind of messed over until Justin Hammer, who is in the movies portrayed by Sam Rockwell and is part of the MCU already. Like, and there's a, a rival of Iron Man's of, of Tony Stark's and is mm-hmm. responsible for like what whiplash and all that stuff. He uh, he funds a bunch of villains, a bunch of Iron Man villains in the comics. So he bu- he funds his research so he can duplicate his suit and make him a new uh, a career as, as Blizzard. And eventually he he dies and his suit is given to a criminal named Donnie Gill. And uh, Donnie ends up mm-hmm. uh, eventually joining a team called the Thunderbolts, who are villains who kind of like redeemed themselves uh, because through like work release. <laughs> <laughs> like, <laughs> program, like they, it's it's sort of like the Suicide Squad, only like they're not setting them up to die. Uh, they're setting them up right, right. Uh, at least in theory, and it started off as like a con job. It's this really interesting, long history in Marvel, the Marvel universe at this time. They're actually one of the more recent, really successful, long-running comic franchises because they didn't come out until the late nineties, mm-hmm. uh, until like nineteen ninety-seven or something. And that, but they're. Uh, you know, it's had hundreds and hundreds of issues, like they ran most of the time. So it's kind of cool. But uh, right. Donnie had an arc where he became heroic again, and then because of, because comics, nobody wrote him for a little while. So the next time he appeared, he's robbing a bank. Because <laughs> great, uh, let's uh, uh, roll back all that uh, characterization. But eventually, when the Terrigen cloud uh, goes through the Earth, which is they didn't, they didn't do the water supply 
uh deal they did like a horror movie-esque like the mist or the fog or whatever where, where it is a giant yeah, cloud yeah, yeah. is just roaming the earth randomly no weather patterns can predict it there's nothing anyone can do there's no <laughs> fog proof anything but <laughs> it, it, it would it, it transform people it's how the current version of miss marvel is really awesome and has uh, recently got a cartoon show with daisy or Sky at this point in the show. Mm-hmm. I wear the spoiler section. I can call her. I can call her Daisy. Uh, yeah. With Quake, uh, where they are both Inhuman heroes. And uh, Miss Marvel, Kamala Khan, is one of many Inhuman heroes created right around this time in 2013 during that era of Marvel Comics. And they were really, really pushing Inhumans, which I've talked about before. Uh, so this is part of the Inhuman push. And I don't understand why on this show all about Inhumans, they didn't include Donnie in the in human push since they just had in the comics not like two months like two months before yeah. three months before weird super weird that is a little weird um do you know i don't know how you would know this but do you know if they were actually intending on having in humans as a part of agents of shield like because it seems like Obviously, Donnie probably wouldn't have gotten his powers until he met a Terrigen. Right. Until he had some exposure to it. So, uh, and, yeah. and, but I do think that they did know that S.H.I.E.L.D. was in humans because they okay. already were trying to find a way around, like, Registered Gifted was the first part. But, but I oh, think yeah, the, yeah, the, yeah. the whole thing yeah. with the Kree is essential. Like, it, 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 that, that's, that's one of the overlaps because they're that's a Kree true. experiment. Um they were already developing the movie, but they'd already kind of worked out, I believe, at that point that they knew that uh, that element was happening because, I mean, that's what. Okay. I, I mean, I don't think that the Reina becoming an inhuman thing was uh, something they added later. I think that's. I think that was already a part of it too. I'm not sure. Okay. But I get the feeling that uh, that it was something that they already knew, but maybe not. I don't know. It's just interesting. Because they definitely, we've talked about it enough. I'm still convinced that from the beginning, the whole hacker thing is a tribute to her looking like Angelina Jolie. So I really do think that she uh, was always going to be an inhuman. But I don't know. That's super interesting. I'm going to try to find that out before our next episode and find out if if, uh, they knew already. When when that came into the development stage. Yeah. I mean, like... Because at this point, not a lot has been revealed about Sky's um, parentage. I mean, we'll we'll get more snippets of that later. But just um, like obviously, they were intending her to be Daisy Johnson. Yeah, no, maybe. I'm, I'm, we don't, I mean, I don't have anything <laughs> it, official, but I'm a hundred percent certain. In so in the comics, is Daisy Johnson actually the daughter of Mister Hyde? Yes, and that's the only reason she has powers okay. in the comics. She's not. The child of an inhuman. Okay. She has no inhuman heritage in the original story. Now she is <laughs> to tie into this. Okay. But I mean, but that comes from right. her mother, right. not her. So her father. original story is okay. all dependent on that. It was, and, and, and Brian Bendis okay. created her and was very specific to say in her original origin. I have the, the uh, panel somewhere and I've tweeted it before in the past, I believe. But she is explicitly in her first appearances not a mutant. Like, <laughs> Don't don't get it wrong because she inherited mutated powers, and every other time like this happened in comics, they defined the children as mutants, like like characters like the kids of the Fantastic right. Four. Even though their parents are mutated, they're not mutants. Uh, the kids are yeah. they, when when they have powers. Same thing with like uh, in alternate futures when Spider Man has, has a daughter, she's a mutant. Uh, it, it's I don't know, I, I don't mind it because whatever in the in the Marvel universe, mutant isn't like the word. 
in the real world. It's a capital M yeah. classification. It's like an inhuman. It's a certain subspecies of humanity with one genetic trait in common, the X gene, which which isn't a great name for it considering, you know, X and Y chromosomes. <laughs> uh, that is true. So I, I kind of feel like they got around this with uh, making the Inhumans uh, a Cree experiment. Cause I don't, that's not something that's like the, the whole X-Men thing, right? That was just like a natural. Yes. That's uh well, like progression of evolution and humanity. Here's, here's the, the weird sub uh, wrinkle in that the celestials, are the like, like they're into that mm, a little bit in the Guardians of the yeah. Galaxy, although they're super different in the comics. They, they're actually it doesn't even make sense because the way they're explicitly described in the second Guardians of the Galaxy doesn't uh, it makes no sense uh, with the way they're presented in the first one because nowhere is a decapitated yeah. celestial, and then celestials don't have bodies, mm. and then in, ego. In, the yeah. second one so whatever but uh it, it, the way they are in the comics is more in line with the first one where they're these giant crazy huge like planet-sized brains uh, uh space creatures yeah and they experimented on everything they experimented on humans and on kree uh the kree then basically duplicated it like they basically saw that what their gods did accurately whereas humans didn't <laughs> we made up a bunch of crazy crap and they and they then mimicked right. what they did and experimented on other species very similarly mutants are the result of the celestial experiments on neanderthals and uh so are okay. the eternals which are coming up from marvel uh and all this other stuff <laughs> and uh then the Kree duplicated that those experiments and created the uh, the, the Inhumans. So they're sort of okay. similar, but it's more far removed. Because like the, the mutants aren't monitored; right, right. they weren't bred with a specific purpose other than just to unlock human potential. So, and the Celestials are responsible for all of it, mm-hmm. <laughs> like basically so, uh, in a roundabout right. way. That's a super convoluted. Uh, crazy bullshitty comic book thing. That's the way it is. That is part of our semi-weird comic stories with Jared. Thanks for tuning in. (laughs) (laughs) Because they started it in season two, is like when they explicitly have the Inhumans appear. I feel like, I feel like it probably was already known by then. I I can't know for sure. Yeah. I don't know. It's just interesting to think about. Um, Just because like if they were going to make, I mean, they have these like powered individuals, but they're not necessarily in humans. Yeah, I mean, they haven't explicitly right? they haven't explicitly labeled them <laughs> that yet because they have an index. They have an index of these powered individuals, and you think just like in the MC, the rest of the MCU and in the comics, they're not all the same. You know, Spider Man isn't an inhuman just because he has powers. Yeah. You know, all, but they are triggered by things True. in different ways, like you know where he had been in. Like right. the Hulk is not an inhuman. That's that was something different too. Right, he didn't have inhuman so. potential unlocked. Whereas the Blizzard in the comics and maybe in the show, like they could explain it, where he did have his his inhuman potential unlocked by that experiment instead of the traditional way with, with teragenesis yeah, or whatnot, it's possible. which is overly complex, but yeah, enti- entirely plausible. Which is what <laughs> comics do they give us a million billion things? So that's that's Donnie Gill. Which also, like, I can't say the name. I think it's a. I think I'm combining Donnie Wahlberg and Vince Gill, but it sounds like a boy band guy's name. Like Donnie Gill sounds like like <laughs> that kid. A kid should be singing in a group of four to five boys. <laughs> Maybe he'll join a, a boy band at the Sandbox. <laughs> that sounds like a boy band, like the Sandbox. <laughs> <laughs> oh my god, so good. 
speaking of the sandbox, Coulson is very intent on not keeping secrets anymore, as evidenced by him spilling the beans to Sky. Um, I feel like this is at odds with him being a spy. <laughs> yeah, everything's <laughs> out in the open. Um, <laughs> walks up to me. Hi, I'm part of a top secret organization. Just- I should not be telling you this. <laughs> yeah. Um, I just wanted to like kind of put a pin in that just to look for for future episodes. Obviously, he's not going to like spill the beans to every lay person he runs into, I, but I call shenanigans. Uh, com- uh, he be- he believes he believes in the system supposedly well maybe not anymore because the system is what was keeping secrets from him about his death um, but he believed kind of believes well we've had evidence where he also went away from the system to help Sky infiltrate shield defenses so that they could that episode where Ward and Fitz were having to work together um, on that super weapon they like didn't have an extraction plan and Coulson went against orders and went and extracted them based on what Sky found going outside the system. So we have evidence to the contrary that he doesn't actually believe in the system. It's just something that he says. <laughs> um, but that whole compartmentalization of, of information and that kind of stuff, he clearly is throwing that out the window because um, Sky's not even a full-fledged S.H.I.E.L.D. agent. And I don't know. Uh, so I don't know. It, it'll be interesting to, to keep an eye on that and his various identities being at odds with himself. Agreed. <laughs> um, the other thing I wanted to mention was Ian Quinn ever present in a vehicle <laughs> on the phone <laughs> and the clairvoyant, you know, someone's rich. They have lots of different uh, conveyances. <laughs> Yeah, and lots of conversations. Um, so him and the, and the clairvoyant are in league together. And I don't really remember how they're connected well i mean hydra is it through hydra okay yeah yeah because i think i think i mentioned in the first episode that he's in when we talk about connections and future stuff that he uh has that connection to to hydra directly because centipede is hydra and he's funding centipede okay because obviously they can't siphon funds from shield directly they need a backer outside (laughs) the system yeah so he's basically he's basically like he i think the idea sort of is like he's a bullshit like Lex Luthor. Like he think, and I like it because like they're basically making him think that he's br- brilliant, you know, important player. Right. Or they're just using him as a money laundering front, basically. Um. So do you remember? I forget what episode it was. It was like maybe two or three episodes ago, where um, the team figures out. Uh, or it was three episodes ago because it was when they discovered the clairvoyant was a thing. And so they're thinking that the clairvoyant is actually the the money dude. Um, but it's actually so now we we know that Ian Quinn is 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 the money in this equation. So the, the clairvoyant is still we he's like the unknown element here still. We're not really sure what his role is other than to be ever, ever knowing and prescient. <laughs> so um, and I honestly can't remember like how this all connects because I know that John Garrett is connected to this and I think he actually is the clairvoyant, right? You know, he, he is. Okay. That's what I thought. But people don't know. Right. He's, he's like uh, for our star Wars, friends, he's, he's like a fulcrum where like people don't even, people who take orders from him don't even right. know who he is. Raina, Raina doesn't right. know. Okay. That's what I thought. Glad we cleared that up. And the first time he's <laughs> the first time the first time he's mentioned is girl in the flower yes. dress. It's yeah. early. Interesting. Okay, cool. Glad we cleared that up because I was like, nice. I don't remember what happens <laughs> and I should know. <laughs> no, 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 you're right that uh it was what? Uh 
two episodes back uh the bridge that was this the next time yeah was mentioned because again like i think that that's the next time we see reina so there's a lot of stuff between girl in the flower dress and the bridge which is why it's such a big gap and it's just most of the most of the first yeah. season <laughs> that's fair but but yeah um yeah it's pretty pretty crazy there's lots of twists and turns like it's definitely he uses ian quinn uh like as i i feel like he's not like a direct employee like it is just they're, they're not it's not they're not conning him because he is sort of in on it he's just a patsy yeah you know well, i mean like, he's benefiting he's, from the technology element i'm sure well, absolutely but they're gonna throw him under the bus the second yeah they can like don't we see uh, we, i think we already talked about doesn't don't we see him get absorbed by oh yeah gravity like because gravitonium, eventually just, yeah yeah, because eventually he just kind of like gets written off. We don't know what happens. It's like we find out what happens in the newest season, and that's in five. He we flash back to between two and three or whatever, where in the middle of yeah. two, where he gets gravitonium. <laughs> <laughs> and I don't, I don't have any memory around that. Like, I don't know. Uh, no, because he just like trails yeah. off. Like, like he appeared, I think, a bunch. Like maybe, like. He, his, he appeared several times. His last appearance, uh, what was it? Yeah, I have, I have no like, I have no memory of Ian Quinn post season one. To be honest, I mean, so. the clairvoyant it only lasts through season. Yeah, one. we we get that reveal. Well, not just the reveal, but Paxton dies at the end of the season. Like this is that is, the end this of this season. More- he dies. Yeah, spoiler, Winter Soldier comes out like that April, like right before the end of the season. Oh my god. Well, there's still like... Like that's when the giant twist happens. There's still like 10 episodes left in this season. We're only on episode 12, so... Right, no, so we have like, what, half of this season or a little bit more, and then boom, crazy. Not not, not half of the season, but half of the uh, remaining season left, and then, yeah, everything gets in high gear. And we're gonna have the reveal, and then all the stuff goes down, but then... I mean, do we just not even see Ian Quinn after that point? I don't remember. I mean, we'll find out in a couple episodes, I'm sure. Well, at least at least ten episodes. <laughs> Man, my I'm I'm starting to realize my memory is not as good as I think it is because I like I remember like key components around the character, like our the main like Coulson's team as characters, but I don't really remember a lot of the evil dudes other than um, uh, John Garrett and and his shenanigans. So. I think that he's, I think his last on-screen appearance, I think Ian Quinn's is uh, bef- before his return in the flashback and five is the first season as well. Oh, I wow. think they just, they're, that they were so far reaching these, uh, the consequences uh, or the, the roots to uh, the gravitonium stuff. It's interesting. It is interesting. This is a great, it was the, this was a, this was a really solid episode. Like you said it was fun and funny and like, I feel like, the parts with Fitz were funny because they played like the joke, but he's the cool guy. But there are also the moments where he was like kind of uptight and weird. Mm-hmm. <laughs> like, I don't know. It was good. I know Fitz is like this weird, like grumpy old man slash like super innocent, young, wide eyed. They're character. both so smart and wise, but also very sheltered. Mm-hmm. And like they're experienced in the show, like like they're always highlighting uh, their experience in S.H.I.E.L.D. over uh, o- over Daisy's. But mm-hmm. or skies back then. But at the same time, they uh, yeah, they're such yep. rubes. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> that's true. All right, I think that's all I have. Yeah, Do you have I anything think, else? No, I mean the only comic connection was Donnie Donnie Gill, who has a long storied 
comic connection, but I think, I think we covered it. Yeah. I, I'm, I'm going to be interested to hear because once we start meeting more in humans in season two, it's, there's going to be, I feel like, lots of comic connections <laughs> to dig into. There's definitely there's definitely a few and there's just at least a few things worth mentioning, like yeah. the way that, the way they were trying to push uh, in humans at the time, which is new for this for the characters. And we'll all talk about the, the changes and, and the way it was different and what I like. It was definitely designed to appeal to a larger audience. And they think they, that was reflected in the way they appeared here. Like, right. Right. Interesting. But all that will come when we cover season two, which we're fast approaching, I guess. I know we're, we're doing good. Chugging right along. Alrighty, um, where can the people find you on social media? I am on social media at I Snow Nothing. Uh, no spaces between those. It's I Snow Nothing on Twitter and occasionally on Instagram. <laughs> where are you to be found? Uh, you can find me on Twitter at Space Jess with four S's in the Jess. And you can find the podcast on Twitter at Project Tahiti, or you can send us an email at projecttahitipod at gmail.com. Or you can go on butwhythoughpodcast.com and find our um, all the information uh, about the podcast and us on there as well, as well as some of our other podcasts that we do. Multi, multi-fandom hosts here. That's right. We like other stuff too. Westworld we, we like a lot. We got mm-hmm. we got a crazy theory about Westworld feminist shit. Oh my god, it's so good. <laughs> we should do a podcast on that one. We should. <laughs> Next oh, season. Yeah. Oh my god. We should get like the group chat to just do like a round robin uh every episode. Mm-hmm. Yeah, that'd be that'd be fun. Yeah, that'd be really fun. We should totally so, do that. I know. Um we could only like we'd have to drug Ron to get into the podcast. <laughs> <laughs> I'm fine with that. <laughs> Ron, if you're listening, better watch out. <laughs> Uh, only drink your drinks out of sippy cups with covers. <laughs> I like that Ron will share this on Twitter without realizing. Yes, <laughs> he will. To draw, to draw him. <laughs> oh, poor Ron. We love you. Thank you. Um, um, but yeah, anyway, thanks guys for listening to Project Tahiti. It's a magical <laughs> place. <laughs> we'll catch you later. Thanks. Bye. Bye.